Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number 23. Anyone out there struggle to remain calm when dealing with your teenager? It's certainly been something that I have struggled with in my parenting journey, so that's what I'm here to help you with. This podcast will give you really practical advice and tips to remain calm when dealing with your teenager, because I truly believe if you can remain calm when doing this, you can remain calm in pretty much any situation. So listen in and enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. I have something to offer you, and that is a video that I have made to help if you've ever lost it on your teenager. And I made this video because I think this is something that we all struggle with as parents or caregivers of teenagers. We all struggle with it as parents or caregivers of children of any age, really. And I made the video to explain why we do this, what to do if it's happened to you, and just to give you some support with this situation and release the shame and blame of it all. And I hope that you find it so helpful. So how do you get it? If you go to the show notes of the podcast and click the link that says grab your free video here, it will take you to a page to sign up and the the video will be delivered straight to your inbox. So I hope you enjoy it and have a great day. Well, hello there and welcome to the podcast today. So glad you've joined me. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. And what I want to talk about today is communication. And what I believe is that if you really want to make an impactful change in your relationship with your teenagers, start with looking at the ways that you communicate with them, like all the ways. We are in a very unique time and have been for quite a while where we have um, many ways to communicate. And it used to be the only ways we would communicate with our teenager would be in person or by telephone. And it could also happen only at certain times of the day. So when you had access to them in person or when you had access to a phone that you could call them or if they had access to a telephone, like really let that sink in for a bit. And and before you think that I'm going to go back, remember back in the good old days when all we had was in-person communication and phone communication? That's not really what I'm getting at. Although I just want to kind of think about that for a little bit because there were some definite benefits to that type of communication being the only way we could do it. But I will say that Obviously, there's so many benefits to the level of communication that we have to that we have nowadays for certain. So I'm not going to go into back in the good old days Um, because what I but I really the way I think about a lot of things that have changed is I sort of look at at it like a 
a pendulum in a clock, like an old grandfather clock pendulum. And so as things change, we see that this pendulum also kind of tends to shift completely over to the other side. And so we tend to forget about the some of those old ways of communication and forget about the benefits of those. And we've shifted completely into only communicating via text message or um, email. And we don't do a lot of phone communication. We still do a fair amount of in-person communication, but that still is kind of um, the phones and everything come into play with that as well, because we are spending a lot of time looking at our phones. So, that's what I want to look at. And just for you to think about as I go through this talk, just about how you communicate with your teenager most frequently and how does that work for you? So if it works fine, then that's great. I don't ever want to say to anybody who's listening, well, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. It is how it works best for you. But I do just want to offer some perspectives on how the mode of communication that we use mostly nowadays can adversely affect our level of communication and connection with our teenager, because there's just some things that are lacking when we are just communicating via technology. So um, what I want to talk about first is basically what is lost in the communication that we use today. So there is a lot that is lost in the tone of our voice with email and text. So we sometimes can't guess accurately what the tone is of what the person is saying, hence why we have emojis and everything to help insert that in there. But sometimes I because I, I don't really use text as my main mode of communication with people. I, I am a person who uses text messaging more for practical purposes, like, hey, I'm on my way home, or I'll meet you at such and such a time. I don't have a conversation over text. In fact, for myself, if I want to have a conversation with somebody, it's if it's going to be maybe more than three or four text messages back and forth to figure something out, then I'm just going to probably end up waiting until I talk to them in person to discuss it, or I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. That's also a function of the time that I was born at 1974, which I, um, influences that as well. But for me, my tone of voice in text could be seen as very flat. I'm told that's a word that's used by teenagers today. And so I've seen teenagers kind of spin into anxiety about a misunderstood text or a so-called flat text where somebody just kind of answers very, just like with a yes or no, like you have to put more into that. You have to put more emotion into it. So just understanding the level of emotional tone that you can't sometimes gauge from a text and then the level of misinterpretation that can happen with that. So there's also the fact that there is less space that we allow ourselves when we are communicating via email and text messaging. So we often think that we need to respond to something right away. And so in that way that if there's a text message or an email that comes through, that makes us have like a huge emotional response or it makes us angry or it it kind of makes us think that we have to 
answer back right away, then we don't have the space to sort of think about it. And also you are less likely to maybe monitor what you're saying via text for some people because you can sort of do that hide behind the keyboard thing. Like you can say something in a text message that you may not say to that person's face. So there's a level of not so much space and time where we have to think about a response or also things come up throughout our day. Like somebody might be a person who texts a lot and instead of saving an important conversation with you until the end of the day, they might just, because they're used to shooting off a text, shoot off a text about something in the middle of the day, which can be great because then we can know about it right away. But also if you're going through at your work day or if you're in the middle of something and you receive a text message that maybe could be addressed at the end of the day, it might not be the best thing. So none of this is all good or bad. I'm just asking you to look at it and how it is working for you. So there's also the fact that text messages and emails live on your phone for you to revisit. And if it was something like a text message that you felt that was inflammatory or something that made you particularly angry, you can maybe feed the fire by reading this text message over and over again. Whereas words spoken, they could still be inflammatory, and they're, but they're not in print forever. So you kind of have that response to them, but then you don't have to go back and read it over and over and over again. Now, I also recognize though that you can revisit a conversation in your brain as well. It doesn't just have to be written down, but it's just something to consider. So what I want to offer is are some basic communication, maybe rules or guidelines that I have um, I've applied to communicating with my teenager, although I don't, I, I certainly haven't followed them all 100%. And when I don't, then things end up getting, uh, you know, escalating into some place that I don't necessarily want them to go. But what I would say is if you're going to have an emotional conversation with your teenager or anybody, I would advise to take it offline and speak in person or by telephone. And so that would bring the human interaction back into it. Then you can see in front of your eyes how they're feeling about it. You're less likely to just type something out of anger. Like I know when I receive a text message from my teenager, which I have on many occasions that made me angry or that they were asking me something that I didn't want to say yes to, but I kind of felt like pressured that I had to give them an answer right away. Or I got a message about something that um, they did something and it just ticked me off in that moment, that was not a good time for me to just fire back a response because I was in a highly emotional, reactive and angry state. And I will say I have fired back responses and it hasn't, it doesn't go well. So I would stay, say, check how you're feeling when you receive a text message like that. And if you're particularly angry and reactive, 
then that's not a good time to fire off a text. And that's just a basic communication um, guideline that I would apply to any of your interactions. If you feel that you're going to fire off a response just to kind of get it off the chest or like get it off your chest or just kind of send this angry message back to the person, probably not the best time to respond. And also by not responding in that state, by taking a pause, taking a few breaths, checking in with yourself, connecting with your own self and thinking, okay, how am I feeling about this right now? If I'm feeling super angry about this right now, then it's probably not the best time to react and send a reactive text or message or email. We want to send something that's more like we are responding or pick up the phone and have a conversation with somebody to bring the human element back into it. So, and let's say if you have an emotional uh, response to um, a message and there is no way to talk to the person at the time, like I said, pause, like it, there's no way to talk to them in person. So you ne- can't necessarily call them. Um, but what I would say is definitely pause before responding until you can check in with yourself so that you don't have a reactive response that you may regret later. I just repeated myself. I had already said that, but it's worth repeating. The power of the pause is so important in any of our interactions with people. If you can uh, notice when you are super defensive, angry, anything, and um, pause and check in with yourself and take a few breaths, that is Uh, an exercise getting used to that will help prevent so much repair that would have to be done after. And the other thing I would offer is have a conversation with your teenager about how you would like to communicate with them and try to come to an agreement with how you will be using text and when you need to have a phone or in-person conversation, just so that they are on the same page that they know, okay, if I have this, if this is a reason that I would be calling you as opposed to this is a reason that I would be texting you. So understanding and sort of getting clear about that with each other is a great idea as well. The other thing in communication, and especially this is something you can do with in-person communication or phone communication, is that you need to remember to listen more than you talk and to ask questions more than lecture. So I promise you that lectures are not heard and literally their ears shut down, teenagers' ears shut down after a very short time. And if you don't believe me on this, imagine somebody sitting there and lecturing you on all the things that you are doing wrong in your life and how long you would listen to that without feeling defensive or shut down. So Although we feel about important matters, I know I do, and I am super guilty of doing the lecturing thing, and it never works for me, Um, but we feel that if we lecture, then they'll really get it, like you're saying, this is really important, but it would be more helpful to ask questions about things than to start lecturing, like why do you feel that way, Um, and invite them to give more of, you'll get an insight into more of what they're thinking and feeling about something. And if you want to lecture about something, or if you have something to say that's really important, I'm not saying don't share that with your teenager or share that with somebody, but you could 
safe first. Like, like I'm really having a strong reaction to this and I'm really feeling the need to like tell you a whole bunch of things about it because I'm afraid of you doing this. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what my brain is telling me that's going to happen right now. What can you tell me about that? And that would invite them to sort of say things to help you know that they understand what is going on for you and why you feel like this is such an important thing that you're, you want to talk to them about. Now, another thing you can do to improve communication is notice anything in your communication style that shuts down conversation or causes your teen to walk away or move away from you versus things that invite them to stay and talk. So mostly I would say the walk away happens with the lectures. Uh, It happens with the highly reactive responses, which, you know, they may happen, but the awareness of that is very helpful. Like even I've always said, like when you're still, if you still are doing these things, like don't beat yourself up, but if you can notice and you can see even in retrospect, gee, when I said that, they just like totally walked away from me. And is there something that I could do next time that would invite them to have more conversation with me? So, and those things tend to be the things that invite them to more conversation are more questions. So if you have a highly reactive response to something that they say or, or do, notice what that feeling is like for you. Usually it's a fear response. And then if you're noticing that for yourself, you can sometimes get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm really having an internal freak out right now. And you can ask more questions and get curious about what they're saying and the things they are talking about even if you adamantly disagree with what they are saying. So an example of this that I saw recently on this documentary I just watched is it's called Escaping Twin Flames and it's actually about a cult. And I, I'm very interested in watching documentaries about cults. I just, I don't know why. I'm just always fascinated about what causes people to get involved with this. But the what stood out for me that pertains to what I'm talking about is that there was a, a daughter in like, it was a mother daughter story and the daughter was in this cult essentially. And she had begun to see it for what it was. She wanted to get out of it. And she went to her mother and she told her that this, like all these things were coming to light and this is how she was feeling. And she said that what her mom did was so important to her getting out of this because she assumed that her mom was going to start launching into a whole bunch of judgment about why she was in the cult and and um, she didn't she just asked her questions she just said are you feeling this way Um, like she said she was gonna actually how it went was she said she was going to make a major lifestyle change and her mom said are you doing this because it's something that you want to do or are you doing it because it's something that the this organization wants you to do. So she asked her questions out of curiosity and her daughter was totally expecting judgment and that's not what she got. And she started talking about it and it just opened her up to inviting more conversation with her instead of her mom freaking out, which this was a major thing. Like, and I'm not saying this is easy. None of the parenting work, parenting teenagers, I would say is easy, but 
it is important and impactful to think about how these interactions can um, bring our kids closer to us and open lines of communication versus shut down lines of communication. So that was uh, pivotal in her decision to um, have a connection with her mom, see where the person who truly cared about her was, and find her way out of this distressing situation. So simply inviting them to tell you more is something that can be a very powerful thing to do. And I have seen this even with freaking out first about something that my son has told me, like a podcast he was listening to about somebody who I thought was a horrible influence. And I adamantly disagreed with them on every single level. And I freaked out about that when my son told me he was listening to this person online. And that I noticed after the fact uh, that that shut down conversation it resulted in a huge argument with my son. But when I uh, went back and I noticed that I did that and I said, look, when you told me that, I just was completely freaked out because this is what I was thinking. And, and then he understood where I was coming from and he knew because I've done this before, he knew that I was just like reacting and responding out of fear. And he got that. And so we ended up having more conversations about like, why are you listening to this person? And that helps more without the uh, judgment. And those conversations are challenging. They're super challenging for me when I have strong opinions and everybody, I know anybody who's listening out there, I'm sure you have strong opinions about what your kids should, should, should and shouldn't be doing. So I can just tell you that that's helpful. So also note, I want to say, having given you all of these sort of guidelines, maybe is that a change in communication style won't necessarily happen overnight. And so it takes time and self-awareness, but focus on yourself in terms of your part of the conversation. So we tend to like to learn these types of things and then go right into telling other people, well, how this is how you should communicate with me, but always with anybody communicating with them, focus on your part of the conversation. And the reason for this is that you're the only one who you truly have any control over. So you can tell somebody else how they should do something. You can set an expectation for how your teenager communicates with you or um, how anybody communicates with you, but they won't necessarily do it. And then what happens is if you've set this tone for yourself about how you're going to respond, then it would, it's up to you to hold to what you said and what you would do in that situation. Okay. And, um, meet them where they are as well. So learn about the ways they communicate with their friends. Like not that you're going to be jumping on all their social media things, which, which you may, I'm not, I'm not advocating one or the other, but, um, it is helpful. Like if say you're a person who adamantly is not, doesn't have a cell phone and you won't communicate with your teenager via text message or any other way, then that kind of shuts down that mode of communication. So you may not be having a conversation with them via text, but find out how you can connect with them, find out ways you can connect with them as much as possible. Okay. And so I, hope these were helpful. I'm just going to recap very quickly and um, 
the basic things I said were, if it's an emotional conversation, take it offline, speak in person. If you have an emotional reaction to a text, pause and check in with yourself. Take a breath. The pause is so helpful. Remember to listen more than you talk and lecture less and notice your own communication style that shuts down conversation or that causes your teen to walk away and communication styles that bring your teen into more conversation with you. And I really look forward to hearing if you've tried this and if it's worked for you. So please feel free to send me a message on Instagram or on my Facebook coaching site. And I would look forward to hearing any more ideas on how you have improved your communication with your teenagers. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. 